Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Hello and welcome to the first episode of season three of Gather Around the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by underagaslitlamp.com. Today we begin our look ahead to the summer and the new season, discussing some transfer news and gossip, as well as previewing the, the, the Villa players who will be going for gold at Euro 2020 later this month. My name's Andy, and today I'm joined by Craig and Dan. Hi Andy, great to be back for the first episode of season three. It's already shaping up to be a good one. You can find me on Twitter at Craig Storrid. Um, yeah, let's get to work. Woo! Hey everyone, it's Dan here. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Daniel Betridge if you want to. And I'm glad to be back talking to you boys again. And what's an exciting week to be a villain? Yeah, absolutely. Great to have, you, have, have both of you on this week. And um, some of you may have uh, tuned in on Monday evening um, and joined us for our first ever Twitter Spaces broadcast, which was uh, which was loads of fun. I'm sure Craig would, would agree with that. And we'll be doing some more of them, hopefully, um, as the summer goes on. And we were discussing um, the big news of the week, the new signing of Emi Buendia from Norwich City. Um, Villa have moved incredibly quickly to secure uh, the signature of the Argentine international for a club record £33 million, which will rise to somewhere towards uh, £40 million, I believe. Just swatting away interest from Arsenal in the process. This appears to be a really strong statement of intent you know, so early in the summer window. Um, but what does uh, Wendy bring to the Villa team and how do you see him being, being utilised by Dean Smith? Well, I, I think Wendy brings quality. He brings top-class quality. His numbers are to die for. Um, particularly if you want to, even if we disallow the, the championship season, um, which we don't need to do because the championships are very good league, as we've seen, you know, from, from being stuck in there for three years and the signings of Cash and uh, Watkins. But let's disregard the championship figures for a minute and just look at the Premier League numbers. The, the numbers that he was putting out, Buendia, uh, in a relegated team who finished bottom of the league are absolutely incredible. So what he can bring to Aston Villa, I think, is going to be really, really exciting. I think it's just, as we discussed yesterday on the, on the Twitter spaces, which was a lot of fun, it's just an incredible signing. And for Buendia at this point in time to choose Aston Villa over Arsenal just demonstrates incredible progression. This, was, this would have been unthinkable even a year ago that any player would have chose Aston Villa over Arsenal. Um, so to, for, for this to have happened, it's, it's incredible. And it speaks to the strength of the Aston Villa um, team. It speaks to the, the, the Aston Villa bespoke presentation strike again. I said yesterday on the spaces that, you know, getting, getting the players in and telling them how they're going to be taken care of and how they're going to be developed is a key component of how you attract them. People in football are excited about the Villa project. I think fans of opposition uh, uh, teams are beginning to uh, I think that I feel like they're going through the five stages of grief lots of them um, with Aston Villa they're in they're in uh, lots of them are, some of them are angry phase some of them are in the denial phase and eventually they're going to get through to acceptance that the Aston Villa are back and um, I think it's just a statement signing it's going to compliment Jack Grealish and it's going to really cement our push for Europe and I think that um, Europa League here we come dare I say Let's not stop at the Europa League. Let's aim higher. I'm I'm absolutely thrilled, thrilled. I, he was top of my my wish list for summer signings, and we went out and got him. Um, from a purely footballing perspective, as Craig says, his numbers speak for himself. But I think he's going to slot in so well to the way Dean Smith plays as well. And and we saw with the signing of Ross Barkley when he had those few matches when he was in his pomp what having another creative player in that team will do. And it takes the onus off of Jack. It gives defenders another player to think about. 
And we've arguably gone out and upgraded on Barkley. I think clearly gone out and upgraded on Barkley. And the thought of having Jack and Grealish behind Watkins next season, it's, it's got me licking my lips. And Ollie's going to bag even more goals. But I think even beyond the football, it's a statement signing in the way that Villa do their business. Not only did we beat Arsenal to sign him, but we wrapped up a signing of this magnitude so soon after the final whistle of the season went. Um, and I think that says to the professionalism, the recruitment team, the scouting team, this is clearly something they've been working on for weeks, if not months. Not in a tapping up sense, but clearly been speaking to Norwich, preparing a package, laying the groundwork, so that even though Arsenal were interested, that they were miles behind where we'd got to. And it's not the kind of thing that makes you stand up off your seat and, and pump your fist, but it just shows how well run we are as an organisation at the moment. And I'm pretty sure he's just going to be the start of what might be a really big summer for us. Yeah, and I think we were we were just discussing that before we came on that you know this this does signify um, a kind of a change really, and, and we you know I was thinking about this earlier in the week that it's one of those turning point signings, um, and probably the last one of those was Martinez last year, where again it was the same club Arsenal involved. Um, and we managed to take a player who was so highly thought of at Arsenal, albeit only only recently, and they probably really missed the boat with him. Um, but to go and pay Arsenal twenty million pounds for a, a goalkeeper that's clearly, um, you know, way better than being their number two, sort of it, it that it seemed like an unlikely deal. And when it happened, it was almost I can't believe this has happened. And this feels, again, like that. I, I fully expected Buendia to go to Arsenal. I I would have advised him to come to Villa, and I would have I would have said that's probably... But generally, players will pick the, the bigger... sort of the, What's seen as the bigger club, I think. And that would be Arsenal. So I'm just delighted. I mean, he's, he's such an exciting player. You just watch his, 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 his highlights package, obviously, for... for it's, it's, it's out of this world. Um, the fact that he's involved with a, a relatively average Argentina side, but still still has been called up for Argentina after a, a season in the championship, I think that's a that's another big a big tick. Um, and yet, I guess we're all just kind of hoping we'll probably come on to this later, but we're just hoping that he he does get to take the field with Jack Grealish and not. And not instead of Jack Grealish, <laughs> but we'll we'll I want to say um, I want to say something about the Argentina point that you just made there, uh, Andy. I think there's a deliberate strategy here. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that we now have two Argentina internationals. Well, Brenti has yet to make his debut, but he's in the squad. We have two full Brazilian internationals. Also, in recent years, we've signed the Zimbabwe international, Egyptian internationals, Tan even the Tanzanian internationals. And a young man from Senegal has just been uh, rumoured in the last 24 hours with uh, Saar, who I think we'll talk about. So it's clear that the owners, I don't think this is coincidental. I don't think this is scattergun. I think this is very deliberate and careful. I think this is a great way to expand Aston Villa's global footprint. And you can see that already in places like Zimbabwe and Egypt in particular with the popularity of uh, Marvellous Nakamba and, and Trezeguet, not to mention Elmo. It lifts Villa's profile in those regions. And um, I just think it's really exciting, you know, talking about uh, Buendia lining up on the pitch. You know, we talked about, I've talked about a, a fluid front, front three. Imagine a fluid front three of, of Watkins... Buendia and um, and I'm smiling. I can't even get the sentence out. <laughs> it's making me so happy. It's Watkins, good, Buendia, and Grealish. It's not even a pipe dream anymore. It's a reality. Those three could be our front three, buzzing around and 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 causing absolute havoc. Or even if we have a front four in a four three a four two three one formation, you know, uh, Buendia wide right. Then finally, I get to see Traore in the middle, which I've wanted for the whole season. I said. Again and again, Troy Ray is not a winger for me. Maybe Troy moves into that number 10. Or maybe there are no fluid positions. Maybe these players are also technically adept. That they're just drifting around the field like prime uh, Barcelona and no one knows where to pick up and we go and win the league. Do you know what's scary as well? Like that front three, look at the ages of him. What's Brendan, yeah. 24? 24? I mean, he's, he's a young lad who's already delivering this level 
I mean, he could go on to be world class, and you know the the Villa coaching staff have a have a track record of improving players. I mean, you improve on him. The sky's the limit for the lad. And you know, just bringing it back to the Argentina point, I think we we all owe Emmy Martinez a drink or maybe a cut of the agent's fee because clearly over that ping pong game, he he had a word in his ear as well. Yeah, he, he may well have done. I think I think you mentioned the age there as well, and I was gonna I was gonna touch on that. In you know, twenty four years old, you know coming into some sort of prime but still with improvement um potentially and still to go on to another level or two um when was the last time we were signing players in that kind of prime you know for so long um really since really since Lambert uh, came into the club we've been signing players who were either young up and coming quite often international um, or or from abroad, um, you know, players who are a prospect of sorts or sort of older players on the way down, really. Um, Someone asked me, when was the last time you felt this excited about a player? It might have been you, Dan. And I said, John Terry. (laughs) (laughs) And it 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 was for totally different reasons. It was for, you know, being able to watch such a marquee, player such a big name player playing for Villa but of course he was 37 when he joined Villa and you know and and to go from that to now being excited about signing Buendia at 24 who you know has his has his the best years of his career ahead of him um, I think that speaks volumes well, you, for, the, for where we're at. You've probably got to go back to the Martin O'Neill side, right? When we're, we're, st- we're stacking up Milner, Downing, we've got Petrov, we've got Gareth Barry, Ashley Young, of course, Gabby Agbon Lahore before he um, lost his way, shall we say. You know, that was a really young... Curtis Davis was, you know, the future of English defending at that time. Obviously, didn't quite work out that way, but he's had a solid career. Um Rio Coca, yeah, no, he was an England under twenty one captain. He was, he was, he was, he was, you know, up and coming as well. Um, uh, you know, so that was the time, you know, where Villa was the destination for all the top young players to come to and and and, and show their wares. Unfortunately, Martin O'Neill, um, this is probably a different podcast. Then started adding to that with <laughs> the likes of Marlon Harewood and uh, Habib Bay, and um, and and completely blew, you know blew the budget on 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 a bunch of no hopers but what we did have was a really exciting team and people within football as i said earlier know about the aston villa project now it's going to take a while for that to filter out into the media it's going to take a while for that to filter out into the mainstream into the fans but inside any industry people know before the, the public know that makes sense i know in the industry i work in you know things before it becomes public knowledge and it's the same thing in football they know when dia knows everyone knows aston villa we're back baby <laughs> i got a question for you craig if if i look up fighting the bear in a dictionary now is it just a picture of Wendia holding up a villa shirt well that would be an and i mean that's an andyism uh, fighting the bear <laughs> but i think um you know at the risk of offending animal lovers i think the bear's been butchered this uh, <laughs> this summer with this signing well we're winning at the moment let's just say um, no bears were harmed in the making of this podcast, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. We don't, we don't condone fighting bears. It's just, it's just a, uh, it's just a whatever. Anyway, <laughs> it's just a say. Um, I mean, you know, this is it. It could be a, it could be a very exciting summer now of, of transfer activity, and I'm sure we're all waiting with bated breath to see who's next. Um, but with with the ins come the outs, and um, as we've already seen. Um, you know, three out of contract players, Neil Taylor, Ahmed Al Mohammadi, and Tom Heaton have have have, have left the club. Um, this wasn't entirely a surprise. Uh, happened, I think it was announced a couple of weeks ago. Um, and of course, there have been significant rumours about Tom Heaton joining Man United, and I'm not sure if it's actually been formally um, announced yet. But I'm sure that will be be done soon. Um, I mean, firstly, guys, a, a word for these. These three players, particularly Almo and Taylor, really. Um, but but who else do you think looks like they might be destined for the for the exit door this summer? I was actually thinking about these three guys leaving. That 
I'm sad to see them all go, even though I don't think any of them set the world alight at Villa. I think Elmo had a very solid run for us. But I think all three of them, I'm sad to see them go because of what they gave us off the pitch. I, I look back at when we had a horribly toxic dressing room. There was no leadership there. There was no professionalism. And I think in their own way, all three of these guys have brought that brought that professionalism back to Villa. And I think that's something that, that we've got to be thankful for, even if on the pitch they, they never really pulled up any trees. Um, so, yeah, particularly Elmo, I'll be sad to see go. I think he, he's such a cult little player. I've really enjoyed him. And I think Taylor's always been dependable. Um, and Heaton got the injury. We never saw the best of him. As for who else goes, I think it will continually just a little bit, a few names here, not not complete revolution, a little bit of evolution. I, I suspect we'll try and get rid of Kalinic again if anyone will actually take him off our hands. I, I can't imagine Engels will want to stick around having not really kicked a ball last year. And, and I think sadly Connor will go too. Um, but again, it's the same with moving on from Elmo and Taylor. We're upgrading because we're a team on the up. Yeah, I agree with those exits. I think uh, Harahan said as much um, in a recent interview while on Ireland duty that it was the end of the line for him. And um, I think um, we can, he, you know, he, if he does go, you know, and we'll, we'll talk about it if and when that happens. But uh, just to put on the record now, he will go with my sincere thanks, um, Conor Harahan, what a signing he, he has been. Um, as for the others... Um, that actually have left. Well, Elmo, you know, he's a promotion hero. Um, this season, I've been critical of Elmo. Um, this was, you know, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it now. This season was one too many for him. Um, and he was, he was, you know, a liability at the end. But that doesn't detract from his kind of cult-like following and his success with Aston, success even with Aston Villa. Um, he's been, that's a different, different show. Um, he's been really instrumental, has Elmo, in the rebuild. And not just on the pitch, but as, as Dan says, off the pitch as well. And him replacing Alan Hutton, I think, was really key to our defensive turnaround, which led to the 10-game winning run and the promotion. Uh, because Hutton... Well, well, let's, 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 not get in, let's not get into Hutton right now. Um, as for Neil Taylor, I think a steady Eddie, he's a solid defensive uh, fullback. He's terrible going forward, so he's not really a Smith ball kind of player. Um, but he's a solid defender and he's been a good servant for Villa. He's not the figure of fun he's made out to be, you know, when, whenever he comes on. Lots of the people Twitter get, I'm like, okay, come on, guys, he's not that bad. Yes, past the halfway line, he's nowhere near good enough. But he's not, he's not some kind of figure of fun. And so I don't, I don't like that. There's nothing wrong with Taylor as, as a pro or as a, as a defender. He's just not very good going forward. Fine, you know. But he's moved along now. I hope he returns to the club when he's finished in some kind of coaching role or ambassadorial role. Um, I think that he's going to be really important, continue to improve community relations between, you know, Aston Villa and, and the South Asian communities in, in Birmingham. Um, there's plenty more talent from, from, from untapped talent from that, from that particular um, demographic and there's lots more where Riker came from as for Tom Heaton I feel like he's doing a Scott Carson or a Richard Wright I think he's gone um he's gone to be the third choice as the English quota and and, and good luck to him um the Athletic reported that Villa did have a one-year option on Tom Heaton which they declined to take up so you assume there's a reason for that maybe his knee isn't recovered how you'd want it to be which is fair enough for someone you know in, in at that age he's had al also Heaton's had lots of injury problems well documented throughout his career you know he's had a knee reconstruction now shoulder reconstruction all that stuff um I think if you're going to be really harsh on it you look at that eight million that we invested in Heaton for half a season that really does come out as poor value for money or well, that's really no one's fault it was a, it was a freak injury and I think the Tom Heaton story just shows us how um, precious footballing careers are. I think sometimes we, we, get, we get really harsh with footballers and we forget they're human beings. I mean, we, you know, older Villa fans will remember Luke, Luke Nillis, um, a clash up at Portman Road in Ipswich. That was the last he ball he kicked for, for, um, for Aston Villa. Tom Heaton, that game against Burnley, uh, that was the last ball he ever kicked for Aston Villa or ball he saved for Aston Villa. Well, he didn't say it actually was a goal, but... We forgive you, Tom. Uh, Wesley was nearly finished, you know, by by Ben Mee. Uh, Super Jack Grealish was ne his career was was put in jeopardy, as we discussed last week, uh, by Tom Cleverley when they, you know, accidental challenge. He did his kidney. You know, these football careers are really, um, are really, are really precious. So, um, I wish Tom Heaton all the best at Man United. I'm not sure he sees any 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 action, but you know, that's really none of our business anymore. I think maybe we might need a uh, another goalkeeper. 
Um, but we can get onto that in a minute. Yeah. By the way, if there's any slots going as a third choice goalkeeper at a top class team, I'll take it. It looks like the easiest job in the world to me. You train a bit, you don't even have to get your tracksuit on at the weekend. Lovely stuff. Yeah, unless there's a couple of injuries and then suddenly you're thrust in. And and maybe that's what Heaton because I, I know that well, it's been said that he's he's a Man United supporter, so maybe it was an opportunity he just couldn't turn down and Villa have respected that and, and let him go. So um you know that's that that that's fine, fine by me. The, the the one player, I mean, I'd agree with both of you on 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 those two things, and particularly, um, you know, I have a soft spot for Neil Taylor because after years of of, of struggling um, down that side, we finally that season when he came in, we finally had a player that could uh, a left back that could defend, which was a real novelty um, at that time. So. Um, you know, thanks to Neil Taylor for that. And and again, talking about injuries, I think I think the challenge on 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 Coleman that broke Coleman's leg, I think, affected him deeply. And um, and that that perhaps had something to do with his his loss of form, which is is just a human reaction, isn't it? Really, to something so terrible. So um, yeah, best of luck to all those three guys. I just wanted to ask you about one more player. Is um you know a bit of a hobby horse for me is 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 Freddie Freddie Gilbert, um he's he's obviously going to be returning to the club this summer, has he got a future with Villa um and obviously he would be the second choice right back presumably, um do you see him staying or is or is he on his bike, Craig? First. I think he'll I I think he'll stay um only I think he'll stay and I think he'll be. I think he'll still be third choice right back. I think Konza is going to be the right back. I'm I'm going in with it again, guys. <laughs> I think I think Konza is going to be the right back against the uh, the the bigger teams when we're under the cosh. And I think that um, that Halls will come in to, to centre half. And I think Gilbert will be the the League Cup, FA Cup right back, and he'll step in um, if there's any injury problems. Um, I think Gilbert did well. I think um, he hopefully has improved, and he should improve. And um, I don't have any problem with Gilbert being our second or third choice right back, personally. So I think he hangs around. Yeah, I agree. I think his loan spell did him the world of good. And he kind of, had he not performed so well out on loan, I'm not sure he would be sticking around. We've also got Kessler coming through who could be someone there. But I, I just, I like Gilbert. I think he, he's raw, but we bought him to play in the championship, I think, originally. And then he was thrust into the first team. I think as far as backup right backs go, he's, you know, Good going forward. He's got a long throw on him. Bit of a cult figure for his slide tackles, his endless slide tackles. So I'm all up for him saying, I want to I want to see him go through someone in the League Cup, you know, semi-final again. I'm all on board for that. Yeah, okay. Well, the, we'll see what happens. And, and obviously when the players return to training, we might we might hear a bit more about what's going to be happening with, with some of these guys. Um, but of course, in the in the wake of the um, Emi Buendia um, breaking news this week, um, came another another huge link to a, a, a big name player, as several outlet, outlets stated that um, that Villa were preparing a bid for Southampton captain James Ward-Prowse, um, the midfielder who who destroyed um, Aston Villa with his set pieces at Villa Park last season. He's currently on international duty with England, although looks set to miss out on the Euros um, unless there's another another injury in that midfield. Um, this would be most most likely be a, another huge fee, and Southampton would be really reluctant to to let him leave. I would I would have said, um, particularly to a what they might consider a potential rival. Um, what do you make of this link? And you know, is a midfielder of his ilk a, a, a re, really a priority a, a priority this summer? Well, I would have said no, to be honest with you. But in Aston Villa, we trust. I think. Um... NSWE, Perslow, Smith, they all deserve carte blanche freedom from us fans. Um, I think we need a big defensive midfielder more than James Ward-Prowse, but I also will hold my hands up and say I didn't think we needed a right back last year until Cash came and I was like, oh, <laughs> this is nice. I also certainly didn't think we needed a goalkeeper last year until Martinez came in and literally revolutionized the defense. Uh, arguably now Aston Villa's best Premier League era goalkeeper alongside the likes of Bosnich and Friedel after just one season. So for me to say we don't need a James Ward-Prowse, I'm going to leave it to the to the professionals. I think they have a plan. 
Um, I think someone on Twitter likened the Grealish Buendia winning, winning free kicks and then James Ward-Prowse stepping up to take them as a real-life footballing cheat code kind of thing. Um, and I can see the merits of that. I think that um, you know set-piece goals are a big part of football. I think we even see Man City have started exploiting set-piece goals because they have fantastic delivery. The centre-backs seem to score every week. Rodri pops up for Man City. So it really does have a value. I think that sometimes, you know, the, the likes of Tony Pulis and Sam Allardyce have given set-pieces a bad name, but they are a very effective way of, of, of winning football matches, particularly when you have Jack Grealish being flown um, uh, uh, fouled left, right and centre. I mean, personally, in terms of James Ward-Prowse, I've never been particularly blown away with him. Um... But this to me would be like, I think I likened him on Twitter to a Conor Hurahan with legs who isn't so passive. So we know the value that Conor Hurahan has brought to Aston Villa and I think James Ward-Prowse would, would bring that too. It's also worth noting about Southampton. They are very much a selling club. We've seen it time and time again uh, from, from Van Dyke uh, through to even Lovren. <laughs> remember him you know they sell their best players as a matter of course that's just kind of what they do as a way as part of their business model maybe somewhat similar to Norwich although Southampton fans may not appreciate that um, that comparison but they do they do sell their best players and that's that's what they've done with you know the likes of as I say Van Dijk, Lovren, Mane so on and so forth so maybe they're due for a big sale and maybe James Will Prowse is on the market who knows it's an interesting one for me. I think it's easy to get caught up in the set-piece delivery because it is so good, and we can obviously see Yeah, I think cheat code is such a great analogy for it because you can just see the amount of chances it'd have. But, I mean, he was one of the most improved players in the Premier League for me last year. Defensively, Hassan Hurtle has got him doing things that we haven't seen from James Ward-Prowse before. And anyone who saw the two England games, the, the warm-up games, and managed to sit through them without falling asleep, he was possibly England's best player, particularly in the Romania game. He was doing, doing that terrier work in midfield that is all too often underrated. And I'm not sure we've seen at Villa. Marvellous does it a bit. Dougie, when he's on form, does it. But I can see a space there for Ward-Prowse as a, as a defensive midfielder who can also take a free kick in a corner do I think he's top priority probably not but he strikes me as as another one of those transfers of opportunity where where the scouting department and transfer department have been have been told that he's available at a price and are thinking it's good business and to be honest with you it is good business a 26 year old captain who's also an England international who's improving it strikes me as a bargain for 30 million but then it's not my money so anything strikes me as a bargain for 30 million if it's not my cash I mean, it, it it does seem kind of unlikely, and um, I'm I'm not sure whether where this story's really come from. I, th- I think he was one of the players where, when I was thinking about players who I'd like us to sign, you know, way back, you obviously look at where Villa are lacking, and of course, set pieces, you know, but also just that that ball retention in the midfield. There's no doubt about it. We don't. We do not keep the ball well enough to play the type of system that, that Dean Smith wants to play. So you need players that are very, very comfortable in possession and and find their target every time. And he is certainly one of those. And like you say, he's a, he's a he is a, a terrier. He will win the ball back for you. And he's and he's got a, he's he's got an output as well. Um, which again we lack a little bit. Even players, you know, someone like John McGinn, who we all love, you know, his output probably this season isn't what you'd want it to be, really. So I don't see. Whilst he's he's you on the face of it, he's not a priority. It is a bit like the right back situation last year. We have other midfielders, but is there someone who's better? And for me, James Ward-Prowse would would be the first man in that midfield. Um, on the team sheet, so um, I'd love to sign him. <laughs> I really would love to sign him. Of course, we we have also been linked with um, a young um, Senegalese international, I believe, um, in the last twenty four hours. Um, uh, Pape Sar from uh, Metz, and um, they're talking about a, a twenty five to thirty million euro transfer fee for him. Um, our editor Regan did point out earlier that he, he he is following Aston Villa on Instagram, which is a bit odd. Um, so um, he's an 18-year-old, I believe he's a he's a defensive midfielder, but he's a bit of a box-to-box player. You know, 
this is the kind of signing I think where where Langer sort of earns his earns his wages, isn't it? And um, you know, I just wonder what what, what you two two guys think of uh, think of this link. I'm not going to pretend that I know anything about him. I read Regan's fantastic piece, and then I looked up the player on Football Manager, which is my equivalent of scouting. Uh, and basically, all I can tell you is he looks like an exciting prospect. And I, would, I don't think he's the kind of guy who's going to come in and threaten the first team. But I think it, if we're looking at a player like him seriously, you're, I, I agree with you, Andy. It shows that we're planning for the future, and this is why we've got a structure in place to identify the best young talents on the continent. And if he's one of those and we're looking to spend that much money on a player who might come through in a few years' time, then it's further evidence for me of the direction Villa are going in. Not to sound like a a flag-waving, Villa-can't-do-anything-wrong fan, but all of the noise is right. And obviously, like any fan, I'd rather see a big name that's going to go straight in the team sheet and that will excite me. But that's not how you build long-term success. And this strikes me as one of those moves for the future. Yeah, I think I I agree with that. I think that... um at the mooted price it seems quite high um but we spoke about this on the podcast last week where i said that i want villa to move into a place where they have a douglas stories and they give someone that they they you know we do like a, a two-year loan or we do like a transfer where we have a buyback maybe that's what this is maybe we get uh Saar and maybe because he's 18 he's still raw he stays in france for a year and then comes join joins us next year which to dan's point that is when you know you're a big club if you can spend 15, 20, 25 million, whatever it is, on a young prospect, knowing that he's not going to play for you for, for one or two years, that's when you know you're, you're in the big time. Um, or could it be that he's going to, you know, he's going to come in and he's going to be part of the, um, part of the first team squad? You know, who, who knows? But the, the truth is that Villa even being linked with these type of players is demonstration that we have moved up in the world and that is reason to celebrate yeah i t- t- totally agree with that and we'll, we'll obviously see what what comes i mean you know when you think about the speed in which we got the buendia deal sorted um particularly while he was away in argentina you know anything could happen and i wouldn't rule anything anything out at this point you know something could could happen within within days with with, with anything any player really so we'll um We'll wait and see, and we might be jumping on uh, spaces again to do, to do another uh, another tr- another another signing announcement. Um, but I mean, you know, there'll undoubtedly be be plenty more links this summer, particularly um, probably in the goal scoring department. So maybe, um, although I think Watkins has, you know, certainly got that number nine shirt um, nailed down for me. Um, but what areas um, do you guys think need strengthening? And and in a in a in a Sort of um, football manager type type world with with realism being the uh, the, the watchword. Um, who would be your top target? Well, I've taken this very seriously. This assignment, and um, <laughs> in in and in true football manager style, I've tried to work in the boundaries of reason reasonable budgets and also attainable targets. And also, I have a quote here from Dean Smith, which I'll, I'll I pull up. I don't think Mbappe's available, by the way. No, <laughs> no, he's, he's not part of it. And also, we don't, after that German man rejected us, we don't talk about Paris Saint-Germain anymore. <laughs> we won't name him. All right. So in terms of, so this is Dean Smith, a quote. In terms of our recruitment, we talk about the sweet, the sweet spots that we're looking for, which is that the players have Premier League experience and are ideally British because there's no adaptation risk at all. So obviously the Brendia ties into that. Not British, but he has the Premier League experience. So I'm only picking players that have Premier League experience because in Dean we trust. So I've identified defensive midfield, left back and striker as the three positions that I would fill considering Brendia's already done. That would take that would mean four signings and that would be it. Um, so I have my my major pick for defensive midfield, my number one pick would be Bissouma from Brighton. Um, now, unfortunately, Liverpool are rumoured to want him, so I'm crossing him off the list as as unrealistic. But he would be my number one choice. My number one, my number two choice, Arsenal fans, if you're tuning in to listen to our <laughs> Gwendia chat, is none other than Gwendouzi. 
so okay. Gwen Doozy <laughs> is six foot one. He's tons of fun. He's unwanted at Arsenal. He's got one year left on his current deal. He's just had an excellent season in Germany. Now, uh, Gwen Doozy is, is a bit of a prick by all accounts, <laughs> both on and off the field. So I will say that. But I don't mind that at all. I think you need, I think you need that. You need a little bit of needle. I think sometimes Villa can be accused of being a bit too nice, actually. So as long as he, as long as he's able to, you know, but also, you know, he came to London as a very young man. So, you know, a year in Germany, hopefully he's matured a little bit so he won't be a problem in the dressing room. And I think we have enough leaders in there with the likes of Mings and, um, and Martinez to, to, to curb any, any errant behavior. So Guendouzi would be my pick. I think you could pick him up for under 20 million pounds. And I think he is a fantastic defensive midfielder. Um, Sander Berg also is a possibility. Obviously, he's six foot five. Again, we need we need size in in in, in the midfield. Sheffield United are relegated. His release cause has been released from forty five million to thirty five million, uh, which could be a little pricey. But maybe we could send Davis on loan, or maybe do a swap deal with Engels, as, as someone has mentioned. He might be on the way. Harahan might be appealing to a Sheffield United as they try and bounce back into the Premier League. So yeah, so I think overall, I would I, my number one choice would be Gwen Bissouma, but I don't think that's possible. So I would sign Gwen Doozy from Arsenal for defensive midfield. I'll come on to left back in a minute, and I'll hand over to you guys. I I would agree with you with Sanderberg. I think he's he's a phenomenal player, and there's a there's not that many good defensive midfielders out there. I think Basuma, you're right, is top of the class, but I think a big club's coming after him. For me, uh, the striker position is important, but a lot of that rests on what's happening with Wesley. If if the club think he can play, or if he can't, if not, then Tammy got left out of the Champions League squad, and and would probably want to play in front of Jack and Buendia. But I looked at looked at left back for this because it strikes me that with Neil Taylor going we've got a huge hole at left back behind Matty Target we're one injury away from from an absolute black hole there but also despite the season he's had I think Matty Target needs pushing still and bringing in a player for competition is the way to do that and similar to Craig I looked at realistic transfers and top of my list before Brentford got promoted would have been Rico Henry who Dean Smith has previous experience with is a cracking attacking left back and and I think is a really good player but I think Brentford's promotion maybe kind of kiboshes that a little bit so I looked at the teams from the championship who didn't make it up and and noticed Lloyd Kelly at Bournemouth, who was a youngster who came through with a lot of promise. Never really kicked on, but but is young, English, can play centre-back or left-back, I think. And is a decent player, and I think would be the kind of player that you could bring in, knowing he's not going to get tons of minutes, but is young, bags of potential, and could really push Matt Target. Yeah, that's a really wow. good shout, actually, yeah. I, I think, um, I mean, it's hard with the, with the left-back, because clearly... Matt Target is 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 the number one, isn't he? And um, you're essentially bringing someone in to to kind of learn behind him, aren't you? And you know that's the kind of position where maybe you want to go deep into those European markets and or, or, or the wider world, I suppose, and, and and pick up some someone who is a bit a little bit under the radar. And I wouldn't know, <laughs> wouldn't have the first the first idea about that. Like you, um, Dan, I think. <laughs> I think I think I would certainly um, like to see Rico Henry, but yeah, I think um, I think maybe um, now they've gone up. But who knows? I mean, you know, I don't. You know, a lot depends on his contract situation. There's all kinds of of, of different um, different scenarios there, and I'm sure he's a player that's that's on Smith's radar. Um, but but. I think Craig, you had you had another position. You had the uh, was it a left back or a or a striker? Oh yeah. All right. So left back. So Guendouzi's already in the door for twenty million, but we have a limited budget. So for left back, I've gone the other way. Um, I liked the look of Ryan Bertrand on a free transfer um, as a guy. Again, he's already played for Aston Villa. Premier League stalwart, Champions League winner, all that good stuff. England international. Um, he's going to come in. He knows he's 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 the wrong side of thirty, so he's not necessarily going to be a starter. But he's going to be fighting with with Target, and you think he's going to he's going to do well. But he's gone to Leicester, and Leicester don't make too many mistakes in the transfer market, so you can assume that uh, that's a good buy for them. So I've gone to another English uh, 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 left back available on a free transfer, and that's Danny Rose. I would bring in Danny Rose on a free transfer. 
on a two or one year deal. And here's why. Danny Rose is only 30 years of age. He has Champions League experience. He has a wealth of Premier League experience. And he can go head-to-head with Target. He can compete with Target. Now, Rose is against the club policy, but when he's on a free transfer and the wages are going to be reasonable, um, that allows the money to be spent elsewhere. Because I think if we're spending $35 million on Buendia, if we're spending $20 million on Guendouzi, or $35 million even on Sander Berg, then you're already, at, you're already at the £70 million mark before you even looked at a striker. So I think um, that I would sign Danny Rose on a free transfer for a year and um, and maybe two, maybe with the option of a second year in Villa's favour. And then if he's if he's not up to it, you move him along at the end of next season. No harm, no harm done. That would be my left back. What do you guys think? Danny Rose. Danny Rose is a good shout, but I wonder what his wages would be. Again, it's not my money, so it doesn't matter. But he's the other thing that I like about Danny Rose, and it's a great shout, Craig, is he seems like a good guy. He's been through the, the mill a bit. He's stood up to chairman. He's stood up to bosses. He's got some character to him. But interesting, you you mentioned in ex-Villa left-backs, a couple of other names to throw in the ring in the bargain basement. Ender Stevens has had a great season for Sheffield United and never got a fair crack at it with Villa. And a certain Jordan Amavi is is available for not much either. If, if we want a left-back who can't defend, then uh, look no further. <laughs> My old mate, Jordan Amavi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, heart attack season down the left. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, but uh, he's definitely improved. Yeah, but yeah. not not I've, enough. I've I've got a mate. Um, shout out to to Pins if he's listening. He's definitely not. He lives in Marseille and he's a Marseille fan. And um and and I always check up on him and and see how Amavi's doing. And he always says, he says, Craig, he cannot defend. <laughs> that was that was my French accent. He cannot. He will not do it. He just yeah, so he's still the same. Yeah. He's wonderful going forward, but apparently he hasn't learned to defend. Learned to defend. So if he hasn't learned by this point, he probably never will. But hey, who knows? For for the nostalgia, nostalgia, uh, you know, I, you know, he seemed like a nice, a nice, a nice kid, Amavi. So so, um, Craig, you, you're, you're striker then. Well, the striker is the, the striker is really straightforward, and it's still Tammy Abraham. Um, now we know. Tammy Abraham has some limitations. He cannot press like Watkins can, but that doesn't mean he's lazy. He's great positionally. He's better positionally than Ollie Watkins is because he's a natural centre forward rather than the converted winger. And I think he gives you another option. I think that Watkins can, can move wide. I think if you're against a team that is just parking the bus and you need a bit of a physical outlet, You've got Tammy up there. He's big. He needs to. He needs to get a bit bigger. I think he needs to bulk up and add some muscle. But he can do that. That's not difficult to do. Again, former Villa player, no adaptation risk. Already has a good relationship with the team, particularly Jack Grealish and Dean Smith. Already has a relationship with the fans. And Chelsea do not want this guy. They have the two call in particular has bent over backwards to tell the world this guy isn't wanted. I mean, picking two goalkeepers on your bench in the Champions League final. I mean, I, we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. It just seems spiteful to me. And also, they've just given Giroud a new deal. So, um, the 40 million talk that was coming out at the beginning, there's no way Chelsea are getting that now because Tuchel has killed his value. Um, you know, Abraham's almost become like a, a forgotten man. I don't know what the figure would be, but I think it'd be closer to 25, 30 million at this point. I think at that price... He could be a real, real bargain, which sounds mad to say when you're talking about 25, 30 million pounds. But when you think of Ollie McBurney costing 20 million, uh, uh, you know, 25 for, for Tammy would be, would, could be quite a coup. Yeah, I, I agree with Tammy. I'd love to see Tammy come back. And I think with Jack playing the 10 role, Buendia on the right, puts Ollie to the left in a very scary front four. Uh, from yeah, four. God, I can't do maths today. Uh, but the one thing I just don't see Tammy happening, unfortunately. I think he'd either command too much money, and a lot of the rumours, not that I have an inside track on this, is that he's off to West Ham as part of a, a Declan Rice deal. But, I mean, who knows what would happen? But if I was Tammy Abraham, I'd want to go back to Aston Villa. I mean, I, he had the best season of his career there, and the, the firepower that's going to be behind him next season, how would you not want to go there? But, yeah, he'd, he'd be absolutely number one in my my kind of striker want list. I um I have to have to agree. If we are going to sign a striker, I'd like it to be Tammy. I think I think though, um, 
the progress that Watkins has made, um, and certainly the the, the way he um, he leads the line um, and leads the press uh, in that position. Um, I'm not sure I want that disrupted too much. Clearly, we need another. I do think we need backup for for Watkins, but would we be looking for someone who's 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 more similar to Watkins? Maybe not. Not that Tammy can't do those things because I think he can, but you know. Um, but then as well, you need you need options in a squad, and, and Tammy would provide a, a, a great option. But it's whether he wants to be an option or whether he wants to be the main man. And, and um, I'm sure at this point of his career, he wants to be the main man. And another another link I heard was that he might be a make weight in the um, in a potential deal to get um, Haaland to Chelsea as well. So um, that might be a that might be another thing, you know. And um, you know. well. I do. I do have a backup. I do have a backup. Don't worry. If Tammy Abraham isn't happening, we we go back to our mates at Arsenal, oh. <laughs> and uh, they have a young man called Eddie Nketiah who is for sale apparently to raise funds for. I don't know why these Arsenal fans think Arsenal have money. They have to sell to buy. They're they but anyway. Forget Arsenal. Uh, Eddie Nketiah as a young prospect striker to be behind Watkins. Again, he's not the same pressing forward that Watkins is, but Watkins a bit, is a bit of a unicorn. W- where else do you find a pressing striker like Watkins? I mean, there's I've, the only similar one is Vardy, and he's you know at, at the end of the road in terms of his career. So um, Eddie, Eddie Nketiah would be my, my, my backup, but um, I think that Tammy, oh my goodness, Dan, you, you're, saying, you're, you're telling me, you guys telling me if, if we line up with Tammy up front, Ollie Watkins on the left, Jack Grealish at 10, Buendia at right wing, <laughs> with Anwar El Ghazi poised on the bench, Look, and Bertie Traore poised on the bench, ready to come on and do some dancing. Ah, gentlemen. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, turn, start I'm your not turning my nose up at it. I'm just, uh, I'm just simply putting another argument. I've always wanted Tammy back at, at Villa, and it would be lovely to think it would happen. I just think it's gone quiet. There was a lot. There was a lot of talk about it two, two months ago or so, and it seems to have, have, have died off a bit now. And whether that is just because um, it's done, and we're wait, we're waiting for him to uh, return from his holidays as as they do, and 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 we'll be announcing it. I don't know, but you know, we'll, we'll just see. We'll just have to have to see on that one. I, I would. I'm, I'd probably combust if we signed him, but um, we'd, we'd, um, <laughs> we'd we'll, we'll we'll just have to uh, we'll just have to wait and see, and uh, I'll, I'll keep a lid on it for now. Um, but I, I mean, I would love to also see um, Ward Prowse, and I do agree we need a left back. But I, I'd, um, I would suggest that 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 might be one of those under the radar, Langer McKenzie. Um, Type signings and uh, and and I'm I'm all for that because Matt Target was our player of the year and and um, I'm very happy with him at left back at the moment. Um, but m- m- moving on as and as we as we approach the Euros, um, one man seems to be dominating the the discussion around the England camp, and that that man is of course England's new number seven, Jack Grealish. Um, it seems that Jackamania. Is starting to bu- bubble away, and um, could go into overdrive if he can get up to up to full speed during the, during the group stage of the tournament. Of course, alongside that is the the inevitable talk of of Jack being stolen away by one of the top clubs, um, with with Man City seemingly the most likely destination. Um, talk me through the potential narratives of the summer and and and, and what it could mean for Jack Grealish and Aston Villa? In short, it's going to be the summer of Jack. I just, you know, I've got a feeling in my bones that it's all just lined up for him, coming back from injury, performing well in the the warm-up games and just looking like he's ready to take the world by storm. We've, We've seen it week in and week out for years. Now it's time for the rest of the world to see it. And as I say, I don't know what it is, something deep in my bones, kind of Villa fans' intuition, but I just feel like Jack Grealish is going to take the Euros by storm this year. I don't think he'll start the first game, but I think he'll come on and make himself indispensable. As to what that means for his career and what that means for Villa... Uh, the heart says he'll stick around. Why wouldn't you? Like, if you're performing well for England, you've got these great players coming into the club you love. 
And I also don't think he's a Pep player. I mean, all the links with Man City just doesn't strike me as a Pep Guardiola player. But that might just be me clinging on to false hope that he won't leave. I, I, I also think COVID rarely goes in our favour, but in the Jack situation it does because I don't think there's that many clubs with the money to to make a move for him. Yeah, I, I think I, I pretty much agree. I think Henry Winter, who is very close to um, Gareth Southgate, released a piece today in the Times uh, talking about how Grealish shouldn't start um, which is obviously setting up, well, you know, if you read between the lines with, you know, connected journalists, you would assume that this is Henry Winter laying the table because Southgate's told him Grealish isn't starting against Croatia. So um, I think the idea that, uh, that, that, that Grealish doesn't start will actually help him. Um, it's going to be bad for Southgate because I think that England are going to huff and puff. I think that uh, Foden is not as good as Jack Grealish today, as in June 2020. Today, Foden isn't as good as Grealish. I do think that Foden will go on to be a better player than Grealish when they're both at their peak. But I think today, Grealish is a better player. And I think Grealish should start. Rashford is out of sorts. Sterling is out of sorts. I'm not sure Jadon Sancho's ever had a good game for England, as good a player as he is. So uh, Mount, I think, plays. We know that. There's, you know, Mount, even on one leg, will play for Southgate, which is fine. Mount's a good player. And some of those comparisons made you know, between him and Jack were, were always silly. They had very different types of players. And there's nothing wrong with Mason Mount. Very good player. Um, so what's going to happen is England are going to huff and puff. They're going to struggle. Rashford's going to kick the ball into the stands. And, you know, apparently, and, and, and that's not his fault. He needs shoulder surgery, apparently, is the, the scuttlebutt on Rashford. He needs shoulder shirt surgery, and he's in all, all kinds of dire straits, and, uh, but won't get his surgery till after the Euros. And a so- shoulder is not an injury that you play with. So I'm taking a long way around here. But Jack Grealish is going to come on from the bench against Croatia, and he's going to be the best player on the pitch because he is the best player on the pitch. Maybe Harry Kane aside, and Modric is about 42 now, so um, you know he's not what he was either. So, and he's going to be, and and Southgate's going to be, as happened in the first place when Gareth Southgate didn't want to pick him, but he was forced by the court of public opinion, and. Southgate is going to be forced to play Jack Grealish eventually and Jack Grealish will be one of the players of the tournament because he's one of the best players in the tournament he is that good in terms of him leaving I said yesterday on our on our Twitter chat no he's not leaving it's been nine months since he signed his contract babies haven't haven't even been born yet that were (laughs) conceived around that time this is not Fabian the snake Delph this is Jack Grealish, Villa fan, Villa captain, Solihull, born and bred. You know, you'll see Jack Grealish's statue outside of Touchwood one day. That's what's going to happen. But anyway, the key is he isn't leaving this year. But I said this yesterday. I said it last week. I'll say it again. If Aston Villa do not get European football this time next year, Jack Grealish will leave and he should leave. But this year he stays. Yeah, I totally echo that, and that that was very funny when you <laughs> came out with the uh, the, uh, the the nine months um, thing on the Twitter Spaces last night. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Are we saying there's there's babies that were conceived because Jack Grealish signed his contract? Because yeah. I love that there's Villa fans who, I mean, it floats my boat, so it's guaranteed to float other Villa fans. I boat. think babies are being conceived to just images of Jack Grealish all over the place. I think people people think about him in in he's special ways. He's certainly the poster boy, isn't he? And he's becoming the poster boy of the of the England camp as well. He's been given the number seven shirt, which isn't a coincidence, um, you know someone higher up than Southgate who actually cares about shirt numbers and, and marketing will have told him that uh, Jack Grealish is going to be the number seven and I'm sure they've they've sold a load of those shirts in the last week. Um I think I think in terms of in terms of him going it feels um it feels like it could go either way to me. Um if someone if someone can stump up and if they're prepared to take a chance on his injuries um obviously man united would be that desperate i think and 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 they would they would probably be the ones to 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 do it um ultimately but you know we'll just have to see see how his euros goes it's got a bit of a sense of the david platt 1990 um about it where obviously platty didn't start the 
the tournament, but he certainly came in and took it by storm um, and was one of the players of, of the tournament for England in, in one of our best tournaments um, that we've ever had. So, um, you know, hopefully Jack Grealish can can um, can can do the same and and go two better than Platt did and and and, and maybe lift that that silverware. That would be that would be incredible. Um, we'll wait and see though. We'll wait and see. Every day feels like we're getting closer to to knowing what's going to happen to Jack Grealish. So we'll we'll, we'll wait and see. Um, to 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 go on a bit of a bit more of a downer. Um, sadly. For another one of our squad, mem- England squad members, um, it's been a bit of a different story. Uh, Tyro Mings, despite starting both warm-up matches and contributing to clean sheets, um, seems to be having a, a difficult time convincing the media at large that he's worth his place in the squad. Um, I think there was a, a, a rating of four he was given the other night, um, which just seemed, seemed completely harsh. Um, firstly, how, how do you adjudge the criticism um, and what does Tyrone have to do to, to get some respect thrown his way? Um, I am beginning to get tired of having to talk about this every 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 week because the disrespect placed on Tyrone Mings is absolutely obscene. So um, for those of you that follow me on Twitter at Craig Storage, you will see that um, I posted a tweet yesterday which had two side-by-side ratings. Uh, from the same um, institution, which is Sky Sports, a very large institution. You may have heard of them. (laughs) And uh, Sky Sports gave John Stones a five rating in the fixture, the England fixture against Poland, where John Stones gave Poland a goal, gave the ball away, gave them a goal, went under no pressure whatsoever. Not the first time John Stones had done that, not the last time. He gets a five. Yesterday, Tyrone Mings helps England to, to secure a second clean sheet in four days and he gets a four rating. Now, obviously player ratings are not an exact science. I appreciate that. So I don't want anyone to think that I'm getting completely carried away with these player ratings. But they, to me, are symptomatic of a wider problem. This is a clear example of unequal treatment to John Stones and Tyron Mings. Now, we can speculate and about why that is and we can't prove why it is maybe it's because one of them plays for um, Man City and one of them plays for Aston Villa maybe there are other reasons I can't guarantee or give an absolute answer as to why it happens but it is unequal treatment and it continues to happen what can Mings do Mings just has to keep on doing what Mings is doing Mings is I think going to start or should start for England um, against Croatia and he just has to keep playing his football keep playing his, his, his game people don't like him for whatever reason people don't appreciate him and he has clearly created a big target on his chest which people are firing off at him frequently so he just has to he has to be big he has to be strong he has to be emotionally in, in, invulnerable which is an impossibility as a human being but he has to try his best and he just has to keep on fighting the good fight because eventually he will continue to prevail i mean he's an england international he's an aston villa uh, legend in the making he's i'm sure a millionaire at this point so his life's going pretty well so the haters um the haters gonna hate as they say yeah i think that's really well put craig it, it baffles me it horrifies me it disgusts me the kind of treatment he gets and i think he's been fantastic on the pitch but I think there was a great interview with him and Connor Cody before the Romania match on ITV that showed just what a man he is off the pitch if anyone hasn't seen it it was just him and Connor Cody having a great time talking back through through the difficulties they've had in their careers to get them to where they are and it showed you that even if he wasn't performing on the pitch which he is he offers so much more off the pitch. I mean, if anyone who follows him on social media, he's outspoken on mental health. He talks about racism. He is a fine, upstanding young man who represents the values and ideals that I think are the best bits of this country and should be in the England team on that alone. But the fact that he's probably the best centre-back England have at the moment and has had an excellent season and two good warm-up games baffles me that he gets a four from Sky Sports. Um I honestly don't know what more to say about it. it. It's There's a whole other undercurrent of that, I think, going on at the moment, which is a whole other podcast. But for me, he is everything that I want in a Villa player. He's everything that I want in an England player. And, and I'm proud that, that he represents our club. 
Yeah, and that's absolutely echoes what we were saying last week in the when we we gave him our our outstanding achievement. Um, you know, our, our, our little award that we gave, and and I, I, he gave us a like on Twitter, which was lovely of him. And you know, we we're obviously huge fans. Um, of course, he's he's, he's made errors. I, I had a, a bit of a a bit of a um, back and forth on social media with 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 a gentleman the other day who obviously just said, you know, he's 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 rubbish. He's no good. That's why people don't like him. Nothing to do with anything else. Fine. Went on to talk about the mistakes and the mistakes that have cost Aston Villa. Um, and I had to think about it, and I, I asked him, well, how, how many, how much has he cost Aston Villa? How much has, the, has any of these mistakes cost Aston Villa? Um, and and does that outweigh what he has actually done in order to move Aston Villa from the Championship up into the mid table of the Premier League? And for me, the odd mistake here and there. Is nothing compared to what what he's done overall for the for the team on the field, and for the club and the community off off the field. And um, you know, like you say, very very proud to have him. If 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 the wider England fan base doesn't appreciate him, then 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 fine. You know, he'll go down in a long list of players that that weren't that were excellent for their clubs, but were never appreciated for their country. Um, I think there's a tribalism and things like that have a big part to play in that as well. And, um, you know, I think there's a fair bit of jealousy uh, towards Aston Villa at the moment as well from from certain other clubs. So some of it's um, obviously to do with that and some of it's perhaps a little bit more, a bit more cynical and a bit darker really. But um, we'll we'll, we'll leave that one there because we have spoken a lot about Tyro Mings and... uh, you know, if you are listening, Tyrone, we 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 love you um, on this podcast and and on this website. Um, the third player who's um, going to be competing at the Euros, of course, is Scotland's meatball man John McGinn. Um, he is, of course, used to wearing the the number seven shirt and will undoubtedly be fired up for Scotland's first major tournament since France '98. I'm excited to see. Um, what Scotland bring to the tournament generally, and it's always good when they're when they're around, and it certainly makes for another peak in John McGinn's um, career. Just how much could a successful month for for John McGinn impact on on Villa's coming season? Uh, like you, Andy, I'm I'm excited for to see Scotland at the tournament. I think it could be a bit of a dark horse. They got some great players in there, and I. I've got a sneaking suspicion that John McGinn is going to cause England all kinds of problems and I think make himself a bit of an enemy. I think that that famous McGinn backside will be sticking out left, right and centre and buffeting Declan Rice off of it. But I, I, I fully expect him to have a great tournament. He's got a great goal-scoring record for Scotland and I think they set up to get the best out of him. And I think that can only be good news for Villa. I, I, I still don't feel like we've seen peak John McGinn in the Premier League for Villa. He had that injury the first season we were up when we were a bit all over the place. And I think this year he didn't quite get up to full speed. So a, a great summer with Scotland can only be a good thing for Villa and, and help him kick on because we all know what a great player he is and I think he's he's ready to show that on a bigger stage now so yeah I, I, I have a sneaking suspicion he could down England in the group stages. Wow um, John McGinn oh, what, what a guy um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to um, I saw some, some Villa fans on Twitter saying they were going to get a Scotland shirt uh, with McGinn on the back so that is how much John McGinn is loved and I, I love him too um, I think as an Aston Villa player he has room to improve I think that his I think that one of the problems that he's had is is not actually his fault he has been one of those players that's guaranteed to start every week regardless and I think there's been times where he's been tired there's been times when he's been a little bit out of form that we need players to be able to come in and replace him and that we, we haven't had that so I'm not saying that beginners existed in the comfort zone because I'm not, I'm not sure he knows what that is but I think that Aston Villa growing 
in as we are is going to bring out the best in John McGinn because he's going to have to be his best to stay in this team. You know, if we've got Sanson coming in, we've got, uh, we've got the young uh, Chukwemenka coming through, Raiki, as we mentioned earlier. John McGinn is going to have to be the best John McGinn if he wants to play every week for Aston Villa. And uh, he has a chance here to make his mark on the international stage. Scotland are set up to get the best out of him. You know, those late arriving runs, he is a goal threat. Um, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the game. It's going to be great to see the best mates, Grealish and McGinn, uh, you know, battling up against each other. And um, obviously, I'm an England fan, but, um, you know, I wouldn't begrudge a 3-1 England win with a John McGill, John McGinn worldie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be lovely, wouldn't it? I, I think I think everyone, like you say, all Villa fans have a deep affection for John McGinn. I know, I know he has had a little bit of criticism this season and he hasn't perhaps been at his best at times. But I think it's probably his, his, you know, his first proper season as a Premier League player, and it, it it's perhaps took a little bit of time to adjust. And I think he has been also playing slightly out of his his position. And um, you know, he's now for this month, he's 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 the main man for Scotland. And um, yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to seeing him play for Scotland, and I'm looking forward to seeing the Scotland team. But I'm a little bit nervous about what he might do. <laughs> what he might do to England and uh, um, hopefully him and Grealish stay away from each other and there's no there's no heavy challenges um, going in because the last thing we need is for is for um, McGinn to break Grealish's leg that would be very Villa wouldn't it um, so, McGinn uh, loves the yellow card Andy he loves the yellow he, card he does he does um, you know hopefully he's, he's learned his lesson from those uh, those sort of studs up challenges because that's what did for him um, last season, but yeah, I mean, I, I can't wait to see him. And um, you know, I was one of those that thought maybe I'll get a number seven Scotland shirt, and then I then I came to my senses and I got an England one instead. So, um, but there we go. That's um, it's, it's something great to have as a Villa fan to have um, you know to look forward to watching watching our players um, play in a big tournament and. You know, we certainly one of one or two of those players could make a really big impact. I think and uh, come back to come back to Villa, come back to Bodymore Heath um, uh, in July. Just absolutely buzzing and raring to go. Um, but that's all we've got time for today. And uh, thanks, thanks to everyone for listening. Um, hope everyone's well. If you are liking our content, we are planning to continue our, our uh, weekly podcasts over the summer. Um, in some form or another we'll we'll, we'll see how that goes um, and we will pop up every now on spaces as well to 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 chew the fat over the the breaking news as it happens um if you if you if you're interested in that obviously the best way to follow us is on social media and, and we're on um twitter at villa lamp and also under a gaslit lamp at um on facebook or under a gaslit lamp underagasitlamp.com on uh, on the website for all the latest writing and, and, and articles um, but thanks again to Craig and Dan for joining me today thanks to everyone for listening enjoy the first weekend of the Euros and we'll be back next week to uh, to, to, to chew over the week's action um, all the best and up the villa <laughs> <laughs>